Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm Max Ivey, known around the world as The Blind Blogger, and you can find me at theblindblogger.net. And we are now part of the Global Voice Radio Network, which you can check me and the other hosts out on their page at Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash Global Voice Radio, website to come soon. And... Um, Really excited about the move and hoping to get a lot more people watching and listening to the guests that I have on my show. And today I'm going to have uh, a friend of a friend on. Uh, my, my stylist and friend Chelsea Nguyen introduced me to uh, Brittany and told me that I should reach out to her and see if she would come on the show. So Brittany Culp is a, uh, a bodybuilder, a personal trainer, a... A, also a model, and she also happens to be blind from retinitis pigmentosa. She operates a <coughs> business called Blind Fury, which I love the name, wish I had come up with a name as good as that for some of my stuff. And she offers one-on-one -on -one coaching in person or over the internet. She also provides meal plans. She has a master's degree in psychology and counseling because she believes that the mental approach of a, of a client is just as important as the physical changes that you make. And so I'm very happy to have you with me today, Brittany. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for agreeing to come on the show and uh, hopefully we'll have a good conversation and, and help people in some way today, maybe to see what their excuses are around, um, around exercise, diet, and being physically healthy. Yes, definitely. All right. So why don't you tell people a little bit more about yourself, including a bit about the, your, your vision loss and how, if at all, that plays into your story. Um, well, I'm from a very, very small town in South Texas called Bishop. Uh, population a little over 3,000, maybe 3,500 now. Um, but yeah, I was born and raised there. And... I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa at a very young age, um, probably about five years old. And ever since then, yeah, my vision has been deteriorating, you know, as I get older, because that's pretty much what RP does. Um, I guess a main, the main question that I always get asked is how, how did I get into fitness and modeling? Long story short, it kind of just happened. <laughs> uh, you know, it wasn't something I planned for. I wasn't an athlete by any means in high school, like not at all, not in the least. I was, um, I wanted to participate in sports. I, for some reason I had an interest in track, but you know, with my vision getting really bad, that was like in the thick of it, I guess, around that age. Um, and I went to a public school, so there was just like me and maybe two other blind students. Didn't really know a lot of blind people or a lot about the blindness community at that point. Or about, you know, all the sports that are available to blind people now that I now I know, like beat baseball and goalball and all that. Um, so I just never really had the opportunity to participate in a sport. Um, so, you know, after I got into college, I lost a lot of weight because I just started running on a treadmill or I'd go out to the track during the day when it was bright, when I could see a little bit better and I would just follow the lines and um, I got into modeling because at that point, actually, I was like interested in singing and 
because I was in choir a lot when I was younger. So I actually went to an audition that was looking for models, singers, actors, you know, like those talent agencies that have open casting calls. Um, I went to one of those in Austin and I went in as a singer. And then when I was done, the agent asked me if I was ever interested in modeling. And I thought she was like joking with me because I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, I had never been asked that before. Um, so I kind of looked into it and I just got some headshots taken, I guess, when I was, I was 19 at that point. And I just started networking with local photographers and using it as kind of a hobby as an outlet um, while going to college still. And then, you know, as I got deeper into modeling, I heard about the bikini division of bodybuilding, which is what I compete in now. It's more of a fitness model kind of look. I, you know, people hear bodybuilding and they think like these huge mass monsters, but there's various categories depending on the level of muscularity and the type of look you want to achieve. Um, so I heard about a local bikini bodybuilding competition that was happening where I was living at the time, which is Corpus Christi. It's where I'm at now. It's about 30 minutes from Bishop. Um, and at that point, I had never lifted a weight in my life. Um, like I said, I was real into running. I never, you know, I was a cardio junkie. I never stepped foot in a gym to lift an actual weight. So I set a goal for myself and was like, I'm going to hire a trainer and get acquainted with weightlifting, see if it's something I actually like. And if I do, then I'm going to do this show the following year. And that's what I did. I did the show and I was hooked. And then now um, I've done about seven shows. I got first place at one of them back in 2017, which qualified me for nationals, which is where I just returned from this past November, 2018, went to Miami for nationals. And at nationals is where you get your pro card because you kind of start out as an amateur bodybuilder. And then you have to earn your pro card to be a professional bodybuilder. It's kind of like minor league versus major league football and baseball. Um, so yeah, um, I did pretty well, you know, for my first national show, it takes a couple of tries to get that coveted pro card. Cause it's very prestigious and it, it, it takes time and experience. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to do another show in June here in Texas to requalify for nationals. Cause my qualification expired as of January. Um, so yeah, and the goal is to go back to nationals, hopefully later this year. And as far as how I got into personal training, once again, it kind of just fell in my lap. I never planned for it. Um, I just got really into fitness and working out and people heard my story and really wanted um, my help, which kind of took me aback because I was like, you want my help? And I was kind of hesitant at first. Um, but, you know, then I thought about it and I figured, well, why not? Because I had many personal trainers before I started, you know, training myself. I have a coach who does my diet because, you know, the diet is the hardest part, I think, for anybody. It's, it's so food is comforting. <laughs> you know, I love food. I don't, I don't know anybody who doesn't. Um, but, yeah, I went through a lot of trainers, and there were things I liked about my trainers, and there were certain things I didn't like. Um, and I, I just – I wanted to be that somebody who could help make a positive change in somebody's life and get them what they wanted and help them be happy with their body. And not only that, find the mental confidence to be happy where the, with where they're at in life and not be complacent and always want to, you know, self-improve because I think that's 
important. It's, it's good to be confident and happy where you're at in the moment. But the moment that we get lazy and we become complacent is when we stop growing as people. Um, so I kind of just, I figured, well, who better to be that kind of person than for somebody than me? Because honestly, fitness saved my life. If I didn't have those people that put me on that path, I don't, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at today in terms of not only success, but I think the way that I see myself and the way that I see things and the way that I go about trying to better myself as a person. Right. Well, a couple of things that I noticed is, is that when you went to the, the uh, audition as a singer, somebody told you that you were a model. So it took somebody outside of you personally to help you to see something that would eventually become a, a, a big part of who you are and what you do. But you had to be willing to accept, well, maybe this person is right. Maybe I could, maybe I could be or maybe I am a model. And then the other thing is I noticed that like a lot of people who are in coaching and consulting, it started out after years of working on yourself to the point where once you, once you got to where you were pretty in pretty good condition yourself physically, that other people started wanting you to help them and then eventually people are wanting to hire you, which I think is another thing that's pretty common among people that are coaches or consultants. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of funny because like I was telling you, I'm a coach now. Right. And I still have a coach um, because I think that it's really hard to coach yourself um, because you need that outside perspective. You need somebody to look at things and not be biased um, and be able to give you that constructive criticism or or even like the opposite, because some people were our own worst critics. We don't see the good in ourselves because we're too critical um so you know it's kind of like even with psychologists like i'm I'm sure you've heard the term like therapists even have their own therapist (laughs) like you can't counsel yourself so sometimes even with um with training um yes i i I train myself in terms of what i I put myself through my workouts but sometimes hey i like to go see my coach who's in austin um, about four hours away sometimes i like to go up there and get a you know a fresh butt whooping you know, I like somebody who's going to take me out of my comfort zone and get me out of my own head and push me. And it, I, I kind of come back feeling refreshed from that. And yeah, I think it, it does take a certain level of self-competency to be able to coach somebody else. But I think it also takes a certain level of knowing that sometimes you're going to need help from somebody else too, and not be too prideful to admit that. Yeah, I know that in 2012, I went through the process of having gastric surgery and went from over 500 down to 256 at one point. And I can remember complaining about having to go and see the nutritionists and all the other staff people every few weeks. But since, but since I've gotten to the point where I only have to go in like once a year to have blood work evaluated, I can. I sometimes think that you know maybe it would be good if I still had to go see those people every few months. Yeah, somebody to kind of hold you accountable, and I'm mean, you know because I, I, there are some people. Don't get me wrong. Like in ter- if we're gonna speak strictly in terms of bodybuilding, there are some athletes that do coach themselves. Like they do it all: the diet, the training, everything. And those that takes a really strong person to be able 
to do that, I think. But a majority of us, I mean, I think those people are like unicorns, you know, it's very, <laughs> it's very rare. Uh, but most of us, we, we like to not only be accountable to ourselves, but have to be accountable to somebody else because it kind of gives us that extra push. Um, and I, I hate to use the word motivation because motivation, I think it's a term that's so overused. And not only that, it, it's fleeting. You know, I, I get it from a lot from my clients and other people who talk to me about, you know, wanting to get in shape or go to the gym or eat right. They're like, I'm just not motivated or I'm not motivated anymore. And it's like, well, it's not motivation that's going to get you where you want. It's consistency and determination. I mean, I'm not always motivated to go work out, but I know that it's a means to an end. It's what I have to do. If I want to step on stage and look my best, it's what I have to do. If I want to keep getting hired to do photo shoots as a model, it, it's, it's the bigger picture. Uh, motivation, it, it comes and goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert said in, about her writing that um, inspiration, motivation, Motivation and passion will will will, uh, will will go away, and she sometimes likes to go back to curiosity. Does um, changing the way you do you generally stay with the same uh, the same routine with your exercise as or or do you have a do you have a way built in to change it up so that it doesn't get stale? Um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, sometimes it does get a little bit repetitive. But um, there's certain ways to change things up. Like I, you know, a lot of people are like, I just can't fathom being on a cardio machine, like a treadmill or an elliptical for 45 minutes. Um, and that I can understand because you're stationary, so you're bored. And I, I think that might be more of a sighted person thing because they, you know, they want a scenery. Whereas when you're blind, you really don't care. <laughs> as long as you have some good music. That's really all that matters when you can't see. You don't really care about the scenery. So I'm like, okay, if you don't like being stationary on a treadmill, well, then go run at a, you know, a park or something um, outside that has a change of terrain, like hills and stuff. Uh, that way it's a little bit more of a challenge or things like that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of have your foundation exercises that you, you have to do. There's no way around it, but you can get creative and, and switch it up by changing up the tempo or how many repetitions you're going to do, or maybe do a, what we call a superset, which is doing two exercises back to back at once and just kind of challenge yourself. It's like I said, it's, it's easy to become complacent because that's another thing that happens too. I get some people that come to me that they know how to work out. You know, they just, they're bored because they don't know how to switch it up. So I like to show people ways that they can switch it up and keep it interesting and keep them coming back. Um, but I guess me as an athlete, I'm used to the, the repetitiveness, especially with the eating, because when you compete for bodybuilding, you're eating the same things over and over usually because you're limited, but, it, but it's temporary. And that's the main thing too. It's always good to think about in terms of stuff like that, that, it's temporary. It's, it's like I was saying, it's a means to an end. I have to eat this chicken and a fish and asparagus. Yes, because I do want to. And yes, because I kind of like it. I kind of don't like that. I have to eat it over and over, but it's what's going to get me to my goal. And I know that pizza and burgers and all that, it's always going to be there. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to be prohibited. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be there when the show is over and 
it's, you know, it, it's temporary. But also to remember, too, like, we all have a choice. Like, competing is a choice. Nobody makes me do it. Um, I chose to do that. And same thing for changing your lifestyle or changing your fitness habits. It all comes down to choice. How badly do you want it? Um, how serious are you about it? And how dedicated are you? And even on days when you're not motivated, are you going to be dedicated enough to still prep your food? Are you going to be dedicated enough to still go to the gym? Even if it's not going to be the best workout of your life, I mean, it's, it's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, I, I think what you were talking about there is that it's, uh, for the most part, it is temporary, or at least if you can get it in your mind that it's temporary, that's a, that really helps. Um, I stay, I visited New York a few, a few years ago and I stayed with a physical trainer from New York City. And the, the only thing I remember about him that whole week was, the whole time was every three or four days, he had to come in and steam or grill or whatever it was he was doing to that kale. <laughs> kale doesn't even smell right, much less taste right. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> I don't play. I'm not even a fan of kale, so you're not alone on that one. <laughs> okay, well then you, you are human. Then I was, I was, but I mean that's, I was, I did, but that's the thing he does in his life. He's like, I have to eat kale. I'm like, I'm glad it's you and not me because I'd have, to, I'd have to find something other than kale. I'd have had to see if maybe collard greens. <laughs> but yeah, but, you're like, I didn't, I didn't choose this life. You did. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was using I was using Airbnb and I was saving like sixty percent of my rent, so I really couldn't complain a whole lot. He was a nice guy and all, and so was his. Yeah. So was his girlfriend, who is one of those um, those people that does the stupid, th the crazy things where they they pitch uh, truck tires and run with beer kegs and I forget what they call that. Oh wow! Yeah, I I know what you're talking about, but I forget what that's called too. That's crazy. But, but the thing is, is, is that if you can find a way to, to at least get it in your own mind that it's not as permanent as you think it is, because that's the one thing people rebel against the most is if you tell somebody they have to do something for a week or a month, that's easy. But if you tell so easy, or at least if you tell somebody they have to do it for the rest of their life, that's hard. You know, and I can remember when they told us about the about some of the changes we would have to make in our diet that that would have to be permanent forever. And I can remember some of the reactions of some of the people in that room. It was like, uh, what? Are you serious? Uh, so you view it as temporary between between events. Then, if I'm following you correctly. Yeah, and then you know that's that's when it's like for a show, like it, it's, it's the strictest it's ever going to be when it, for a show, because, you know, for a competition, you're trying to achieve like the ultimate body. It, it's like, they say, I think the percentage is like only 5% of the population have what it takes to do bodybuilding because it, it's, it's mental as much as it is physical, but don't get me wrong. Um, although that type of diet is temporary, there are habits that are, going to be permanent that should be permanent um like perspective is everything so like how you were saying when they those people were told that they needed to instill these habits forever i think that they got intimidated because they were looking at it on a scale of forever they weren't thinking about 
okay, let me get through this one week at a time or even one day at a time. Because often what happens is old habits die hard and change is intimidating. We get that. But, you know, even in my off season when I'm not doing a show, I still need to eat healthy a majority of the time because one, you should do that for your personal health anyway, whether you're competing in bodybuilding or not. But two, I can't just go off the rails and eat burgers and pizza every day because then I'm going to lose all the, the, the things that I worked hard for. You know what I mean? So you have to still maintain that right balance. And even for people that are just trying to get in shape and just become a healthier version of themselves, they need to think about it. I look at it as like a cost benefit analysis. So, you know, I'm going to have to eat more vegetables. That's the cost or whatever, you know, even though they're not my number one favorite thing, but what are, what's the benefit of that? I get vitamins, I get fiber. Um, maybe I get more energy from eating healthy. Maybe I have more energy throughout the day to go to work and go to the gym and spend time with my kids and not feel like crap all day. Um, you know, it's perspective is everything. Some things are necessary and it's just the way that you perceive that change that is going to just completely affect your outlook on life. I mean, I think even you can relate being blind, you know, I hear a lot of times from sighted people that, oh, if I was blind, I just don't know what I would do. I'd probably just curl up in a corner and give up on life. Okay, well, that's your perspective. And maybe there are some blind people that still do that, but a majority of us kind of get over the, the pity party and feeling sorry for ourselves. And we get out there and change our perspective on what it is to be blind and how it's going to impact our life. And that's how you see people doing things that are disabled and living life to the fullest because it's their perspective. Yes, the disability is going to be permanent. There's not really anything you can do about it, but you can change how you're going to view your disability and how you're going to let it dictate your life or let it not dictate your life. Yeah, that just um, re reminded me of something I wonder about because I've had it happen to me a couple of times when I've, uh, when I've traveled is, when you use, do you, okay, first, first, do you generally work strictly with, uh, with free weights or low tech, or do you, or do you have a lot of dealings with, with, uh, with the, the machines of, you know, the treadmills and, uh, um, a combination of everything. Yeah. Free weights, machine weights, like with the pins and stuff, um, plated machines, cardio machines, like treadmills, ellipticals, all of that. Yeah. Everything. Uh-huh. And do you find yourself, um, what, what are you doing as far as accessibility? Because to me, weights, to me, the workout equipment kind of reminds me of a Windows computer because you can make a Windows computer talk, but once you do that, it's the only computer around that talks in, in your house or your office or whatever. But if you use an Apple computer, all of those computers talk. So I'm just wondering about the, the, the equipment because I've been through, I've had to do some physical rehab, I've been to weight, I've been to exercise rooms and a couple of hotels. It doesn't seem like any of that stuff has ever been made to where somebody like me could use it easily. Honestly, it's not. I'm not. <laughs> I know you were probably hoping for some sort of ray of sunshine from me, but honestly, you're you're absolutely right. It's not. 
and honestly, that was the number one reason why in the beginning, when I was so new to weightlifting, why I hired a trainer, because I needed somebody to kind of show me how things work, um, kind of describe the machines to me or what, what the, the jumps between weight levels were like with the pin machines, like, does it go by tens? Does it go by 15s, 20s, all these things. And of course, you know, that's just at that gym, every gym is different. Um, but a few things that I did kind of, I guess, I guess you can call them quirks or whatever. Um, like for cardio machines. So I like, I know nowadays the big thing is like those touch screens. Oh my God, I can't stand those. There's no way I can work those. So what, but not every gym. So if there's a gym that has touch screen cardio machines, chances are that they only have a few of them because they're expensive. And when they break or, you know, there's something wrong with them, it costs more money to fix them. So they'll probably only have a few of them. So that means that a majority of their machines will probably be more tactile. So I'll go and try to find those instead. Um, if I have somebody with me, I'll tell them to kind of tell me which one does what, or I'll kind of figure it out. Cause you can kind of tell by messing with the buttons, um, which one changes the resistance or the incline, which one changes the speed, all that. And of course there is apps like be my eyes. I've never used that. I was using FaceTime to ask my friends before be my eyes was even a thing. <laughs> um, you know, so there's that. Um, and then as far as like free weights, I just feel the numbers on like the dumbbells and even the plates. A lot of them have embossed numbers on them, or you can even tell by like the size of them. Cause they usually go like the plates go by 45, 35, 25, 10, five and 2.5. You kind of like how you can tell between coins, coin money, the same thing with plates. You can kind of tell the, the size. Um, so I picked up little tricks like that, but honestly, as of right now, I'm kind of in a very, I don't know what you would call it, privileged position that the gym I work at, it's a private gym. So we don't have like gym memberships or sign up fees for people. Basically, you can only work out at our gym if you're there to work out with a personal trainer. So you work out with your personal trainer, you pay your trainer by the hour and you leave. That's it. So our gym is never really that crowded. It's always clean. Um, everybody's really respectful of each other in terms of putting things back where they belong. Um, so it's really easy for me to navigate around that gym. But when I, yeah, when I go to like a bigger gym, um, it is kind of disorienting, but usually, you know, I'm with a friend or even if I'm by myself, I mean, most of the time, everybody there is really nice. You can just ask like, where's something at? Um, I've, I've had to do that quite a bit before if I was at a gym, like by myself doing something, but you know, when there, if there's a will, there's a way. I know plenty of other um, male friends that do bodybuilding that are blind um, and they go work out by themselves quite a bit. And it's like I said, it's like anything. It's like just learning your surroundings. Once you find a gym that you're comfortable at and you just kind of get the layout of the land, I think it becomes a lot easier. I think it's just that intimidation factor of the unknown. Like you go through these like, well, what if, what if, what if I don't know how to work the machine? What if I don't know where everything's at? What if I accidentally sit on somebody who's on a machine already? <laughs> okay, I think we lost. I wasn't already thinking of. Thank you very much. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, if you're, you can really psych yourself out if you get caught up in the what ifs. I mean, just go out and, and do it. 
And especially if you, you're, you're a frequent gym goer at a certain gym after you've been there a couple of times, people start to know who you are. I mean, especially if you're blind, because to be honest, I, I don't ever, it, it could just be the area I'm in. Maybe it's different in like more blind populated areas, but it's very rare that you see a blind person consistently going into a gym. So they're going to remember you. I mean, the cane or a dog is like a dead giveaway. Um, but I'm I'm one of those people. I'm always about uh, telling people both sighted and blind to, to ask for help and that most people are, are friendly and many of them are looking for opportunities to, to give people help. So it's just a matter of, of not being afraid, having the courage to ask most of the time. And, and like you say, if, they start they see you they'll they'll realize that you're blind the, and of course if you're the blind person one thing you have to do is to just not freak out when people offer to help you because there's still a, there's still a fair number of blind people out there who either through uh pride or a mis misbelief about the importance of independence if somebody offers to help them without being asked it can be a problem yeah and it, it's kind of like there's a there's a piece of literature from the National Federation of the Blind, and it talks about like, don't throw the nickel. So basically, long story short, for people who aren't familiar with it, it's about um, a blind man who was waiting for the bus and an old lady offered him a nickel because this was like back in, a long time ago. I don't even know what year it was. Back when it was only a nickel. Yeah, back when it was only a nickel to ride the bus. And she was just doing it just to be kind because she probably would have done it for a sighted person too, but this blind man got so offended that he threw the nickel because he thought that she was just doing it just because he was blind. And, you know, so yeah, don't throw the nickel. Um, and honestly though, for me, it, it, it's, I guess this is like a bodybuilder thing. It's more for me when I'm getting offered help, I try to distinguish the difference of, okay, are they doing it because they're being friendly? Um, or are they doing it because I'm a, I'm a woman? Because, you know, when you're, a, when you're an avid gym goer like myself, you do get it from a lot of the guys. I guess you can call them bros. They, <laughs> they think that they know everything about the gym and weightlifting. And some guys even use the gym just as a, I don't know, a dating pool. <laughs> yeah. So for me, yeah. For me, I'm I'm open to if I if if someone wants to help me, but it's also important to kind of distinguish the difference between the intention behind the help. But more, but yeah, but more times than not, like I'm I'm open to the help and I'm appreciative. Okay. Um, any other? Um, oh yeah, when I was when I was looking at some of your stuff online, I found a post that you wrote recently about people say that they don't believe that you were ever not uh, in perfect health. And uh -huh. you posted a picture of you with your first guide dog. And um, I thought it was interesting that your the activity required to have a guide dog helped you as far as as far as dropping a lot of weight. I thought that was interesting. Most people don't realize how much of an investment in time and scheduling and also in physical activity that it is to have a, have a guide dog. Yeah, um, it was partially because, so when that, the first picture I posted, um, you know, for people who'd end up going and looking at the post and don't have visual sight. So the first picture I posted, yes, was with my first dog guide back in 2010. 
And, um, you know, I was a little on the heavier side. I never picked up a weight at that point. I never, I hadn't gotten into like track running like I did later on. Um, so when I did get a dog, yeah, I, you know, cause with a dog, you have to make sure that the dog is getting physical activity as well. Um, they also pull. So a lot of people don't know that I think about dog guides, like they pull you to guide you. It's not like a hard pull. Well, just depending on the type of pull preference you want. Some people like a harder pull than others, but there's that. And, you know, you walk a lot faster. Um, cause I'm a pretty fast walker cause I'm very tall. Um, I'm five foot eight and I have long legs. So I'm a fast walker with a cane too, but with a dog, it's like a whole other level because so like with a dog, so with a cane, it's an obstacle finder. Like, you know, you're walking with your cane, you hit a trash can, you're like, oh, that's a trash can. With a dog, there's a trash can, they just zoom right around it. So you're, you know, you're cutting a lot of corners with a dog, you're getting places a lot faster, and you got to keep up. And they're really energetic about the work that they do. Um, so yeah, that along with, you know, walking with the dog from class to class, because I started college at that time. Um, and then along with, you know, Getting into running, I got down to a very, very thin 108 pounds for modeling. Um, and I just wanted more curves to my frame, I guess you could say, muscular-wise, but I didn't know how to do it. So it was like a, it was like fate, I guess, when I saw that ad for that local bodybuilding competition and I saw the bikini division on there. Um, I was like, that's it. That's how I'm going to get the body that I want. Um, and not only that, gain some, some strength as well. So, yeah, it, it took time and it was like a lot of trial and error, a lot of patience. Um, but yeah, now I'm on my second dog and she's even more energetic than my first dog was. My first dog was very chill in comparison to my new dog. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I guess that's good because my new dog really enjoys going to the gym. Um, just she has like her own little bean bag at, at my work, the gym I work at that she just hangs out on. And then if, when the gym's empty, I'll take her off harness and we'll let her run around the gym and she just loves it. Yeah. People don't realize how much those dogs actually love to play. They just don't get a lot of opportunity to do it. Yeah. Cause they're working when they're in harness. And, and that's a lot of, I get a lot of comments about that too. Whenever Pixie, that's her name, she's in harness. They're like, she's so well behaved. Is she always like this? And I'm like, hell no. As soon as that, as soon as that harness comes off, she's like a whole other dog. She, she'll run around. She'll get on her back and like do like some break dancing circles and spin around. <laughs> like She has a lot of personality. So it, it is very interesting how, dogs are in their professional mode when they're in the harness and then when they're not they're just they're dogs you know what i mean yeah yeah well why don't, uh before we finish why don't you talk a little bit about um the mental side of people and their uh, physical fitness as far as maybe uh body image and what people decide they want to have for themselves and how how they get there and then also maybe a little bit about acceptance so I think that the main things that I've noticed in working with um, my personal training clients is that there are certain trends that seem to happen that kind of set people up for failure. And I think the number one is um, 
in psychology, what we call a cognitive distortion is all or nothing thinking or black and white thinking. So basically it's either I have to eat all of my meals perfectly, my perfectly healthy meals. I have to go work out every day and do everything, dot cross all my T's, dot all my I's, every single thing on point, or I'm a failure. So, you know, I get a lot of clients, oh, I missed one gym at the day, one day at the gym this week, or I completely missed um, one of, I missed two of my meals today, or I had no choice but to go out and get fast food because X, Y, Z, therefore the whole week is ruined. I'm just going to not go to the gym the rest of the week, or I'm going to keep eating bad the rest of the week because I've already ruined it. So that all or nothing thinking rather than just taking it with a grain of salt and being like, okay, I didn't go to the gym today, but I'm going to hit it twice as hard tomorrow. Or, okay, today I didn't eat perfectly, but tomorrow I'm going to get back on it. And, you know, so that all or nothing thinking, I mean, life happens. Um, I think that, that the main thing that is interfering is like that need to be perfect. Um, it has to be perfect or else it's crap. And that's, that's just unrealistic. It's an unrealistic expectation. So that all or nothing thinking is the biggest thing. Um, another one that I see quite a bit is uh, compare, comparing yourself to other people. Um, and I think now, especially like with social media, that's become a real problem. Um, people looking up these, these fitness models on Instagram and comparing themselves and saying like, oh, I wish I could look like that, but I never will. Or, oh, this person started working out at the same time as me. Why don't, why don't we look similar? It's like one, nowadays with social media, you don't know how badly the photo has been filtered. <laughs> um, say, doctor, you don't, adjusted, altered, touched up. Use it. Yeah. For truthful, truthful language on the What's Your Excuse show, so. Uh, yeah, you you don't know who who's been you know messing with the contrast of the photos, drawing on ads. You don't you don't know any of that. And then on top of that too, like you don't know um, if they're doing things the right way in terms of their health. Um, you know, so what are they taking? Um, what are they? you know, did they get surgery and they just didn't say anything? Like, you don't, you don't know. And then on top of that too, it's like, everybody's so different. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's going to lose weight at a different rate. Some people are going to have harder struggles than others. And then on top of that, it's like some people who um, are very avid posters on Instagram, like fitness is all they do. So of course they're going to look fantastic. Versus, you know, I get, I've had some clients that are nurses and they work 12 hour shifts and they have a hard job and they still go to the gym. And that's something that should be celebrated and glorified in itself, but they don't see it that way because they're like, well, I don't look the way that I want to look yet. And I'm like, yeah, well, you got a lot going on. If you did fitness every day, every minute of your day. Yeah, sure. Maybe I could see that, but that's not the reality of the situation. So I guess something that sets people up for failure is re reality versus expectations. You know, they have these expectations, but it's not matching their reality. So then that goes into my next one is people who don't set short-term goals for themselves. They'll set a goal, but it's more of a long-term goal and they get really discouraged when they're not reaching it because that's all that they see. They have like 
they're so fixated on that long-term goal that they're not celebrating the little changes that are occurring, you know, day by day or even week by week. So that's why when I do client updates, I go by progress pictures. Um, and of course my boy, my boyfriend is my eyes or I, ha I have an, another assistant that will help me look at pictures and cause I know exactly what I'm looking for in terms of change. Um, you can put those pictures side by side and see the changes. So sometimes I'll even make a collage and send it to my clients who are like, I don't, feel like I'm changing um I'll send them those pictures and be like just tell me what you see in those photos they'll be like wow I do look different and I was like well yeah because you're so negative you're probably looking at yourself in the mirror every day and when you do that of course you're not going to see the changes because you see yourself every day and the, the changes are going to be so subtle that of course you're not going to notice if you're so fixated on it and you know another thing too tying into that is the scale the scale is a liar <laughs> It's a total liar, um, you know, especially when people are lifting weights, um, they're gonna tone up and build a little bit of what we call lean muscle mass. So the number on the scale can not change a thing, but by putting on lean muscle mass, um, you could look skinnier because you're losing body fat and you're gaining lean muscle mass and lean muscle mass weighs more than body fat. And people who have more lean muscle mass tend to have less body fat, tend to have a faster metabolism, tend to just be healthier overall. So just don't look at the scale. It, 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 it doesn't take into account lean muscle mass. And it also doesn't take into account water weight. Because when you're stressed, your cortisol shoots up, your body just starts to shut down, even your immune system. That's why you hear um, like around, like for college students, around final exam time. That's when most people are getting sick because their stress is at an all-time high. Their cortisol is just through the roof. Their immune system is lowered. Um, so, yeah, stress can make you hold, hold weight. It can make you hold water weight even. Um, so then when you step on the scale and you're like, I gained five pounds this week. And I'm like, well, are you stressed? Do you have a lot going on? They're like, yeah, you know, this and this and this. And I'm like, well, then don't worry about it. You know, let's reconvene next week. Stop looking at the scale every day that's just going to stress you out even more um so i it's like it goes back to what i said initially is perspective is everything you have to you have to take it things with a grain of salt take them one day at a time set realistic expectations set short-term goals and you know just be consistent and dedicated i think that's with anything not even just with fitness i mean with with work if you want a promotion then be consistent and dedicated to your job. Do what it takes to get that promotion. Take small steps towards doing it. If you want, you know, your college education, I mean, man, I went to school for seven years and it felt like an eternity. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was just these little milestones you had to hit. And at times, yeah, it was discouraging. I didn't think I would ever finish, especially when I was trying to find an internship as a master's student. Um, because, you know, I, I don't think a lot of places really wanted to take a chance on a student intern who was blind. Um, I hate to say it, but that was the impression I got. Maybe it wasn't the case, but it, it kind of felt like it in certain instances. But finally, somebody did take a chance on me. No, I think you're right, because I know of two other, I know of two other people who were not able to continue their degree plans because they were not able to be accepted as, inter as interns for the same reason. It's, uh, yeah, and, and you know, I don't like to initially crap. go there. 
Yeah. Like, I don't like that to be my first initial thought, like, oh, it's because I'm blind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it, it did feel like that. But you know what? Somebody, fi- I, I didn't give up trying. I kept trying. And finally, somebody took a chance on me. And it was like the best internship I, I think I could have ever gotten. Like, I feel like it was meant to be that the other places told me no, because this was where I, have, I was meant to be to learn from people who accepted me and believed in me and you know and and it's easy for me to say these things because I'm not going to lie I am at times am a pessimist um you know old habits die hard over the years I've gotten a little bit better about it maybe it's it's through bodybuilding that I've learned to kind of like I was saying take things with a grain of salt and have a more positive outlook um because I do have my times where I just want to sit in the bathtub and cry (laughs) um but you know it's therapeutic you, you do that for about 10, 20 minutes and then you get over it. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not perfect by any means. I don't think that anybody is, but you know, just, just to remember that things aren't always black and white. There's going to be a lot of gray area and perspective is everything. How you interpret that situation is going to determine your, your steps going forward. And there's a, there's a type of therapy called narrative therapy. Um, and it talks a lot about our life story, the story that we're going to write. Um, what language are we going to use when we're writing our story? What's our perspective? And it, it's funny because it, it points out something very interesting that a single event could happen. And there could be five people that witness this single event. And you tell them to write about what happened. Their stories are all going to be written differently because their perspectives are going to be different. Maybe one person picked up on something that the other person didn't. Maybe what one person was going through kind of um, played a role in the way that they saw things or the way that they felt about the situation. So it's your story. How are you going to choose to write about it? What are you going to do to evolve your story? and keep it going and make it interesting and fill it with as much detail and as much meaning as you want. Well, I'm going to stop you right there because usually at this point I would ask the guest if there was one thing they wanted to leave people with, but I think you basically just nailed it and left them with a perfect image and a perfect goal. So thank you very much for uh, agreeing to spend some time with me and with my listeners. I really appreciate you doing that. Well, thank you for having me. It was awesome. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been enjoyable for me. And um, it's, um, I, the, I tell people the show is not always going to be uh, guests who are blind or who have some other uh, difficult circumstance. But the, the, the point is it's always going to be somebody who has a great story and who has decided to live their life uh, regardless of whatever challenge or life circumstance they may come from. So I uh, really enjoyed having you. And as I like to tell people, if, if Brittany can do it, then what is your excuse? So thank you, Brittany. Thank you.
Hello.